Hello and welcome to Under the Umbrella. This is episode 7. My name is Mustafa Tosh. Sitting next to me today is always my co-host, Joe Franick. And on this week's episode, we got a plethora of topics, but you follow me at Mustafa Tosh, and then you follow Joe at JJ Franick with a K. You find the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes services, and on Twitter at UTU Sports. But uh, this week, it's kind of a quiet week in the NBA. Uh, and a lot of injuries, which is unfortunate. You never want to see that. But uh, some injuries to some big names. Uh, Kevin Durant, obviously, and Kyle Lowry. And but, Joel Embiid, which there's actually an interesting sub-question of that. But, yeah, let's just kind of dive right into it. KD, where where were you when you heard? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, when I saw the play initially, because, uh, I mean, obviously I wasn't watching the game, but uh, the saddest part of it to me was... Uh, how Zaza Pachulia flopped. People were like, oh, he got pushed. But I'm like, he got flopped. Like, I mean, he flopped. Like, he just straight up, yeah. like, flopped. And it's just like, that was the worst part of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what an unfortunate thing to happen. I mean, you see both the teams in the top of the East and the top of the West have one of their better players hurt. So you never want to see that. But, yeah, where were you? I was sitting in this room. <laughs> I got the alert and I was like, Kevin Durant leaves with like a leg injury and I was like, Oh, oh no. Am I am I automatic, you know, thinking about the finals pops into my head of like, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> Selfishly. But then but then I step back. Yeah, you look at the play, I mean it's just a reminder that anything had happened at any time in basketball. There was no intention to any of that. He was not throwing him into his leg. Like yeah, any, yeah. whatever even if he did throw him, like that's just a foul. Like that's not you know, there's no intent behind it. Um as unfortunate as teammate on teammate, I'm sure it's an awkward conversation. Like, hey, man, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sure there's no hard feelings. Like, once again, no intentions at all. But, yeah, just impacting them going forward. Like, the Warriors sacrificed a considerable amount of depth to go get him. And so now we're kind of seeing not necessarily the exposing of that, like, right now. Because they lost two games in a row, which, you know, everyone acted like the sky was falling. Teams lose two games in a row. Like, yeah. that happens. But... They, we're going to get to see, you know, how this is now the Warriors team of last year, minus Harrison Barnes, minus Mar- Maurice Spates, and, uh, oh, who else? Andrew Bogan. And Andrew Bogan, but they have Zaza Petrullia to fill in for him. But, like, just, like, that kind of depth now. This offseason's a whole different story for the Warriors because they're probably going to lose Andrew, Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston. They're definitely losing Livingston because mm. they're not going to be able to pay him what they're going to want to. But it's just kind of interesting to see, like, how if Kevin Durant is out for any amount of time in the playoffs, which it doesn't sound like he's going to be, you never know with these things. Like, ligament damage can be, as long as they say, it can be shorter, it can be longer. It just depends on how his body re- responds. Um, but if he's out for any significant period of time, they're definitely vulnerable in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, the thing for me, it looked really bad initially, too. Like, when you first look at it, you're like, oh, my God, hyperextension, like, that, that looks it just your mind immediately goes to ACL yeah yeah or just yeah some sort of like meniscus whatever yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah moving forward I think uh, I think just in terms of the first round of the playoffs I don't think they're especially the AC most of those teams are just fighting to get in or just I mean looking right now Denver I don't really think they're gonna no do anything to them so I, I think they'll be fine and there's no need to rush them anyway Steve Kerr talked about like earlier in the year I remember resting players towards the end of the year so uh and i mean they seem to fit i mean was there any point of this in terms of like superstar teams from the past we saw like miami struggle initially the big three in boston struggle initially this team never at any point in the season really like struggled for like long stretches no 
So like that was that's pretty unique to me and well yeah I don't think it it will affect them in truly any big way. Well, the different part of that is three out of the four pieces had been there and had played together. It was inserting the fourth piece, whereas those other two examples and the other example I would obviously go to, which is the Cleveland team that assembled, mm-hmm. it's three pieces that have never played together, learning to play together. It's a whole different ball game than plugging in Kevin Durant as big of a you know as big of a piece as he is alongside three players who have played together now for three, four years, mm. um, if not longer, maybe. I think longer. Um, yeah, longer. So at this point, I think that, yeah, there's no concern with them. There's concern with them dropping out of the one seed. only two and a half games ahead of the Spurs. They have to play the Spurs three more times. This obviously helps the Spurs' chances of winning two out of three of those. And then you're, you know, you're hoping for a little bit of luck here and there. Um, I don't think the Warriors can be overly concerned about that. I still stand by. I think it's cruel and unusual punishment to make the Thunder play the Warriors in the first <laughs> round of the playoffs. I think we should do whatever it takes NBA to rig whatever it's going to take to rig it. KD's doing it on purpose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got hurt on purpose to so, play so can, Westbrook. So he can shit on Westbrook. Yeah, like that's just not fair to OKC fans. Um, only, yeah, but... Uh, but yeah, going forward, I don't expect, I don't think either one of us expects him to have a problem. It's just if, if he's not back 100% or he's not back by the second round and they have to play, maybe they end up and they have to play Houston if they're a two seed. They'd play Houston in the second round or, God forbid, you never know. It's a whole month. That's the, I mean, the advantage of the playoffs. Each series is two weeks. So if he does miss the first round, it's two more weeks. So if he really missed another month, then you could talk about the Western Conference Finals and the Spurs or, you know, whoever else could emerge. To face them, of does that leave them vulnerable? Absolutely. Kevin Durant's one of the best players in the world. Not having him makes you weaker. It just demonstrably does. Yeah, and we talk about the three position. I mean, that's the most important position in terms of having a productive player in the NBA. I mean, you look at Kawhi Leonard. I mean, LeBron James on the other side. That's sort of been the knock on the Clippers for the last couple of years for me. Even, I mean, you look at Utah as well. Gordon Hayward, he's their three, and he's been super productive in all-star year. So you need a three to go far in the playoffs in either conference. So uh, I think that's the or most a combo important. guard because I would say in Tor- when Toronto, Demar Derozan fills that role where he can play three when he needs to, but he's generally a shooting. Yeah, player. they also have Demari Carroll on the defensive end. But Demar Carroll has not been good. Yeah, in, in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I mean defensively in the playoffs, like that's yeah, why we'll they're see. looking to to play him the most. I mean that LeBron matchup. I mean, obviously, you're not going to stop LeBron or Kawhi. Well, it's all about containing these guys. You talk about yeah. time and time again. You're never going to make. You're never going to keep him scoreless in a basketball game. One, it's a basketball game. People score. <laughs> Two, like you're just not. But like you got to take away the easy to make it hard. And for the Warriors, take away Kevin Durant just makes it harder. They have to fill him in. Andre Iguodala is going to play a lot more minutes. Andre Iguodala is not what he used to be. He's still a good player, but he's just he's not an All Star anymore. He's nowhere near that level. And he's also older, and last year in the playoffs, in the finals, he really started to wear down, and he really started to have back issues and things of that nature, and you just wonder how many more minutes he has to play now really start to impact him then, where on the reverse side, if you had young guys stepping up, then it's a good thing because you're giving them minutes, you're getting them in rep. But I'm, I'm not worried about Andre Godal being ready mentally or understanding the game. I'm worried about him, how is his body holding up come June? Yeah, Which is yeah, what the health. Warriors' ultimate goal is. You can't look past the Western Conference playoffs, but their goal is June. Yeah. I think another thing that's super disappointing for me is I just want a team's healthy for the finals. Now, obviously not completely healthy. No one's ever healthy. No one's ever completely healthy. But, I mean, year after year, I mean, you saw obviously the first year of the finals was just like, that sucked. No Kyrie, no Kevin Love. Like, 
Yeah. It just sucked. And then last year, kind of what happened towards the end of the, you know, Curry wasn't healthy the entire time. And then Boga went down. And then this year, freaking Kevin Love and Durant get hurt. So you're just like, The, the good thing for both of them is that while Kevin Durant's injury seems a little bit more severe than Kevin's, Kevin Love has what Kyle, or Kyle Lowry has, which we could tr- good transition, which is loose body, which like is basically like you just have some discomfort. They go remove like basically like I forget. I read about it. But it's both of them. It's not considered very serious. Mm. So you hope that with both of them, they're going to be able to get back to the court in no time at all. Mm. Yeah, and be unaffected by it. Yeah, the Lowry injury. I mean, transitioning into that—that's uh, a shooting wrist, though. Yeah, yeah. That that so, that's a little worrisome, but that that takes the wind out of Toronto's sails, and I think they're going to end up stuck in the four seed. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think they could. I mean, what a bad timing too. I mean, you get, just get DeRozan back and. Toronto was struggling from before. They make those trades at the trade deadline. Yeah, get rid of a little bit of depth. And then, uh, I mean, you lose Terrence Ross. But, I mean, DeMar DeRozan is playing really well uh, for them, which is a good sign. And you have Corey Joseph, which isn't, I mean, you could start for a couple of teams in the NBA. But, uh, yeah, that's unfortunate for Toronto because both Boston and Washington are playing extremely well. And you're going to get to see probably that playoff matchup that you want so I badly. Want that, I want that. I want the Celtics <laughs> and the Wizards because they're going to a funeral, baby. I just, I want, I want real animosity and not in a violent. I don't want fights breaking out of the court. Like that's bad for the league. But like, oh, yeah. I want guys who genuinely don't like their opponents and genuinely just want to kick the, sh- you know, on a basketball court, just want to blow them off a court. Those are the kind of, na- and I want that series to go seven games mm-hmm. and I want that to be a battle. And I think it could be because I don't, I actually think Washington will have a, Definite advantage in that series um, over Boston, but I because I don't find Boston to be that big of a threat, honestly. Even though Boston Boston's a great regular season team, and they've yet to win a playoff series. So until you win a playoff series, I just don't care that much. It's just doing. a bad matchup for Boston, too. Kind of uh, is. I mean, yeah. Bradley Beal and John Wall were both really good perimeter defenders. Uh, I mean, Bradley Beal. The one thing with him for years now has been his health. Oh, he's yeah. still young, but I mean, every year, man, it's just oh, like and he's finally a knee injury, healthy. And ankle. I think he missed a couple games, but nothing major. Yeah, no, it's always been something, and you just mm. hope he gets out of that because yeah, he's always had the talent. He's always been a great shooter. He's gotten better, obviously, as time's gone on. But yeah, he just hasn't been able to stay on the court. Yeah, and I'm I'm really interested to see that matchup. How Isaiah Thomas? I mean, if that is the matchup, Isaiah Thomas will play because I feel like this year he's a little different. Uh, just the ball in his hands. He seems like he's taken another level or step up. But at the same time, I don't know if he's that guy in the playoffs to like lead you through. I- I'm really interested to see what he does in the playoffs. Nowadays, you need more than one guy. Like mm-hmm. that's like that's the problem with the way that the league's gone as far as the consolidation of star power. Like, could he get Boston to an Eastern Conference Finals? Absolutely. But against a healthy Washington team, I sit there and I go, Washington's got at least two guys and maybe Otto Porter, maybe. Yeah, who at least as a third guy is very very strong, and then Boston it's kind of a by committee mentality, which is great on a regular season basis where guys aren't playing, where guys play more minutes off the bench. But in the playoffs, when it's game, let's say game six in Boston, Cleveland's up three games to two in the Eastern Conference Finals, and it's a tie game with three minutes left. Cleveland's got three dudes who can kill you on top of all the sharpshooters they're going to put on the court. Boston's got one guy who can kill you. And then a couple, like some good spot-up shooters. Jay Crowder's a really good shooter. Uh, Avery Bradley's a spotty shooter, but when he's hot, he's hot. Like, But you just sit there and you go, there just aren't as, you can't have your depth on the court at the end of the game. 
Yeah, big time players. And the benches shrink too. The game slows down. So your depth isn't really. I mean, obviously having eight guys is important. You don't get the foul calls you did. Like Isaiah Thomas isn't going to get as many foul calls as he gets because he's smaller than everyone else. Like he's just not. And I actually, I still think Boston is in a good position. Obviously, they're in a good position going forward. Like almost any franchise in the NBA outside of the ones currently contending would trade places with Boston. But they're in a real weird spot where things could go very poorly for them very quickly over the next couple seasons. But yeah, I mean, kind of going back as you know, as we stay super focused, going back to the Kyle Lowry injury, like it's just it's a bummer for Toronto. Toronto was the you know was gonna be the two seed. It was them versus Cleveland. Oh my god, was this the year they were gonna bring down Cleveland? They made the big trade. They went and got Ibaka. They went and got PJ Tucker. They went and made moves, and then. Something that actually I didn't write down on the sheet, but something that I read about this week was uh, a couple of GMs were complaining about the buyout market and the way the buyout market works because Toronto gave up two second-round picks, a first-round pick, Jared Sullinger, and um, like I got his name right now. Oh, my God. Terrence Ross. Yeah. To get a Baca and P.J. Tucker. Cleveland rolled out of bed and got Darren Williams and Andrew Bogut. Rolled out of bed. And if healthy... If healthy, those two players are better than the two players Toronto acquired, in my opinion. Really? In my Darren Williams, I think is better than PJ Tucker. Darren Williams is like essentially like thirteen and seven as a backup point guard. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, and then if, point, if healthy, I'd rather have Andrew Bogut as far and as Serge Ibaka. I would. Serge Ibaka's been washed up for like two years now. Like uh, as a as a, like a fourth guy on that team, I would I wouldn't mind. I would take Serge Ibaka, and he fits too. He, he can shoot. He fits. More. Okay, bro. Let's just say it's even a barely step up, but the, like. And the, the articles I was reading about the things that people were discussing were the fact that, like, GMs are not happy about the fact that players are just getting bought out by teams who are tanking anyways, like Dallas, uh, who gave Cleveland two players now who, once again, if healthy, are going to be substantial role players. So they filled the two biggest holes Cleveland had. And, oh, yeah. And, they were, the and they were glaring holes. So regardless of who you think is better, fine. But they get them for free. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, that's the, and that's the part where people are like, oh, David Griffin's a genius. He's a great GM. I'm like, no, he's not. He has LeBron and a great team that people want to go win a ring on. Yeah, and this, if fully healthy, just think about the weapons that are on that team now. Like, just top to bottom, that second unit could win thirty five games in the NBA as a starting five. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I understand the point. That's a pretty interesting point. Uh, but at the same time, like that only happens with good teams, like you said, like. Darren Williams is going to play with LeBron. What's the incentive for Toronto to sell the assets when they sit there and go, but the Cavs and the Warriors, the Warriors got uh, Matt Barnes for nothing. Mm. Um, Jose Calderon went where? Oh, God, where did Jose Calderon go? He went to Atlanta. Atlanta, Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta, I think. Another Uh, playoff team. But it's like, like, why do you want to go sell assets when you can just sit there and wait for people to get bought out? uh, As a good team, yeah. I mean, it could be frustrating. But, yeah, that's a pretty interesting point. And that's – I don't know if that's happened in the past, in like, past NBA years. I think it's There's sort of like a There's always buyouts. There's always buyouts, and those guys always end up on contending teams. But they're never the impact players like I think Darren Williams and Andrew Boga can be in the playoffs. Once again, not playing 25 minutes a game. Mm. But the Cavs had no backup point guard. Yeah. They had Kay Felder, any Mon Shumper trying to play point guard. Yeah. Like, they didn't have one now. They have Darren Williams, who could start on 10 NBA basketball teams, if not more. Yeah. And Andrew Bogut, they had no backup center, no backup rim protection. It was Tristan Thompson and then Shanning Fry, you know, doing what he 
can't do. Yeah, maybe a little coincidental, too, that Williams and Bogut both. I mean, obviously, they probably talked to the teams before. Also, Brandon Jennings went to Washington, too, which I thought was a good pickup. Um, Washington needed a backup point guard, too, which, I mean. Yeah, and that's another one where it's like. That could affect Toronto, too. So, Toronto just taking that out. Yeah, Toronto's (laughs) sitting there going, we made these great trades. And then Uh they sit there and go, and these teams got players close to as good of for nothing. And they didn't. Cats didn't give up a mod chumper. People thought Cavs were going to trade Mod Shepard get things. I guarantee you, they heard Darren Williams and Andrew Boker were going to get bought out and went, why? Yeah, why risk it? The yeah. only one who would have been maybe worth it for was if Patrick Beverly was really available. Mm-hmm. Just because he would be there for a long time. Yeah, Patrick Beverly would have been a good pickup. But yeah, that's a pretty interesting one. And point. they got Derek know. Williams, too. I forgot about Derek Williams. They had both D-Wills. All the D-Wills. Give me all was he D-Wills. on a team from before? He was on Miami. got waved. Oh, he was on Miami. And he's playing okay. really well. Yeah. He always plays really well in the spring. Like, in the second half of the year, I feel like everyone's like, how is he not on a contract? And then he ends up not getting a real contract in the offseason. I feel like it's just, a, it's just a story with Derek Williams. That was always just with Michael Beasley, too. Michael Beasley yeah. was always like, two people were like, they love having him around. I could never stay on a team. But like, all right, maybe maybe people... Yeah, and teammates love Michael Beasley, too. And guys like that, like Derek Williams, apparently they have, like, really good personalities, but they're just, I don't know, they don't seem to put the work in. Like, there was a story... Yeah. Uh, this is a Russell Westbrook story, but um, Michael Beasley, they had to like, this is during the Combine, uh, NBA Combine, and, and they were doing like sort of working out, and Russell Westbrook was already in the gym at like 6 a.m., and they tried waking up Michael Beasley for like three hours. Jesus. And they finally woke him up, and then uh, when Michael Beasley got there, he, he saw Russell Westbrook sweating and all this stuff, and he's like, what time did you get here, man? Like, where have you been? And he's like... Uh, I, I just was sleeping in and like these people woke me up and it was sort of like people like back then they were like not super surprised about it but now it sort of makes sense like well, yeah, that's sort of the reason probably why those guys never get contracts yeah and it's like maybe they I mean like with so many guys like being in a winning situation can make that better like you know when you're on a championship contending team like it's probably easier to get up a little earlier to go put in the extra work when you're actually winning versus when you lose you know but yeah those kind of stories with Michael Beasley, too, it was always stories about him and Pot mm-hmm. and about how he was just stoned all the time. And it's like, it's like how me and you have had a discussion time and time. It's like, some guys just got natural talent and they don't care and they don't, and I, I shouldn't say they don't care, but like they don't put in the same level of work as what everyone assumes all these guys put in. Like a lot of these guys work crazy hard. Like Jimmy Butler's a gym rat. Like he's always working on his game. Mm-hmm. And it's like, then there are some guys who are just naturally talented. They show up, they make millions of dollars and they do well enough to make millions of dollars. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like, it's kind of a weird thing how it's like, they're like, work as hard as you can, you can do anything. I'm like, nah, some people just got it. Yeah, like, some people, like, yeah, or they're just, I mean, their biggest thing is just money. Sort of what oh, desire, what you desire, that, that what was motivates the, that you. That was, I mean, another old story about Andrew Bynum. Yeah. About how the guy just like houses and cars, and you know what, he was seven feet tall, he was super athletic, and he was better at basketball than most people in his position, if not all people in his position. So he made $100 million. And we would all do that in almost any profession. If someone oh, yeah. offered, offered us six years at a hundred million dollars or five, whatever it was, like we'd all be like, "Yeah, I'll go do something I don't like for five, six years to make a hundred million dollars." Like, and once again, from the outside, we love the game. We love what they do. It's like with so many different fields. Like, I'm a huge gamer. There are plenty of people who make video games who don't love video games. It's a way to make a good living. People get paid well to do it. It's the same thing. Same thing with why people become tax become accountants. Yeah. Some people love accounting. Most people, it's a great paycheck, it's a great career, it's stable, all that kind of stuff. And that's Andrew Bynum. Andrew Bynum's richer than you'll ever be, anyone listening. Oh, yeah. 
And you know what? Retired at 25. So, like, yeah, good retired for him. at 25 with a, who knows how much was left in the bank, but like, even if he had like 40 million left in the bank, like, dude's set for life. <laughs> right? If he has anyone smart advising him. Right. As long as he doesn't pull Jamarcus Russell, man. But like, yeah, man, I just, I, I, I always get a little bit taken by, like, you have to love the game. It's like, don't get me wrong, like, for not, like, 0.1% of people who play basketball end up in the NBA, even that high. It's lower than that. It's 0.01% of people. But it's like, some people are just gifted athletes, man. Uh-huh. Like, to be one of the greatest of all time, you have to be obsessive. Like, I mean, you read about what Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Magic Johnson, like, like all these kind of guys did to be as good as they were. Like, the obsessive nature. You have to. But I guarantee you, if LeBron James coasted after he got drafted, he'd still be in the NBA. Oh, yeah, definitely. He would not be no, nowhere near what he is now, but he'd still be in the NBA. Like, guys yeah. are so gifted. Yeah, the Kobe mentality. Yeah, well, Kobe, too. I mean, how hard did Kobe work at Kobe? I mean, that's how Kobe, who, frankly, was not crazily more athletic than everyone else, mm-hmm. was able to shit on people. Because, oh, yeah. Because he just, he just knew everything he had to do to get that one inch of separation he needed to put up the shot. And it's it's different for everyone, and, and we're getting a little bit off the injury topic. But, yeah, it's just... Hey, man, never stand in someone's way of making that money when they can. Right? We never get mad at people for that. But uh, another injury that <laughs> came up was a Joel Embiid injury. And he's been hurt. But yeah. this is they officially shut him down for the year, which is probably the right move. And more importantly than that, I guess the question I want to pose to you is, can he be rookie of the year? He played less than half the season. I think he played around 40, 30, 40-ish games. Um, so for me, no. <laughs> Uh, you probably would need to get, I think, limit to even get your stats in the NBA season is like, or I think it's based off minutes, but it's probably like 50, You played 31 games. 31 games, that's way too amount. That's way too low amount for me. He averaged 20 points per game, though. Yeah. Yeah, seven rebounds, almost eight rebounds, two blocks. Wow, two and a half blocks. But yeah, I mean... The impact, obviously, if you take that small sample size, or if you asked me like a month and a half ago, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, if you were to play the rest of the year, or like played even 55 games, given the fact he was restricted, this rookie class sucks. So, like, this rookie class is bad. It's all young guys, too. I'm uh, like, I try to. Well, Chris Dunn was an old guy. He's a four year college guy, and he's playing horribly. Yeah. Also, I mean, Rubio, that whole situation with Rubio is just weird, and. Tibbs doesn't really like playing rookies. No, he, he, he will not play you as a rookie. So, yeah, I, I, I there's a guy in Milwaukee, Broughton. I like the way he's been playing. He's been spot-up shooting. He's been playing well with Giannis, too. They've been given a lot more minutes. Uh, and then they get Chris Middleton back, which will help for him. So, I, I don't know if I could put, put him as my rookie of the year, but I don't really see anyone else. I mean, what, that, what that's Chris- the problem. Like Kristo is averaging nothing. I mean, he's, he's averaging three points per game in 16.6 minutes, yeah. playing 16.6 minutes, which is an accomplishment for a Tibbs team. Um, and the Timberwolves are headed to another lottery. Yeah. And at this point, they just kind of need to say, like, I mean, just looking at the standings, just kind of in general off that kind of stuff. It's like, Ingram, I mean, the Lakers are irrelevant. I mean, Marquise Chris, the, the, the Kings, Suns are... The Kings need to fall, man. The Kings need to fall fast. They need to get out. No, no, keep them there. Keep them there <laughs> as a Bulls fan. But, yeah, I mean, when you look at... They're all on such irrelevant teams. Oh, they're already they're already out of the top ten. They're number nine. Oh, they're nine. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, all these rookies are on such bad teams. I mean, obviously well, you get that a lot of the time, but... They're not even, no rookies are even really in the playoff mix, you know? Like, Yeah, I don't really think any of them are. I mean, Dallas has that Yogi, um, what's Yogi his Yogi Ferrell. Yeah, Yogi Ferrell. That's why I thought his name was, for some reason, I'm wrong in my head. 
But yeah, I just don't think he's played enough in the league either. I think because yeah. I think he was like an undrafted rookie. Who he was on and on. I mean, he he like how many? Yeah, he's played fifteen, 15. games. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. Twelve point five points per game though, good for him. Um, and he and they basically agreed to waive Dan Williams because they were like Yogi Ferrell's playing so well. They're like, yeah. let's see what we got with this kid. Let's see if he's worth keeping around. Which yeah, and, like and Curry's playing well too. Which Seth Curry mean. too. Yeah, yeah no, and he, but he's a shooting guard. Yeah, yeah. No, he's yeah. Seth Curry. That's that's I see because the people thought it was kind of not a joke, but like Seth Curry was pretty bad when he got in the league, and people uh, were keeping around. Seemed like your brother's really good. Maybe right. he'll work <laughs> out. And it's good to see Seth Curry's carving out a spot for himself. He'll have a spot in the league for at least a couple of years. Oh yeah, definitely a nice backup point guard. Helps you out offensively, spaces the floor well. Yeah, but listen, I, I want. To, I know Ingram has not been playing well, but I just want to take a look at Ingram's stat line here. He's not even playing. He's only started twenty three games, eight points per game. Shooting percentage is not showing up. But at what point do you give the guy an award because he's been playing in games? <laughs> sort of like, yeah, you've been playing. Here's an award. No, that's what this one's got. It's like the year that Michael Carter Williams won. Like that draft, yeah. that rookie class sucked. Yeah. And that, that year, not once again, a lot of these guys could end up being great. Chris Dunk could end up being great. Brandon Ingram could end up being great. Like, the first pick in the draft didn't play this year. He's not going to play. That's the other thing. Ben Simmons not playing this year. Yeah, that's like, unfortunate. Every Sixers first overall pick misses their rookie season. It's insane. That yeah, it keeps I happening. saw something on Twitter like the longest tenured 76er. Guess who it is? Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, yep. <laughs> Joel Embiid, and he, he is in his third year. And he's played 30 games. Or he's in his, yeah, he's in his third year. That's pretty played, insane. Yeah, just, uh, no one plays. I mean, they keep trading everyone. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, no, Brandon Ingram is just not playing well. Uh, yeah, Brady Ingram is shooting twenty nine percent from three, seven percent from the field. He's playing point guard a lot. I don't know why. Um, know. They're trying to maybe see develop his skills. He's not big enough. He is nineteen years old. There is plenty of time for Brandon oh, Ingram yeah. to become a hell of a lot better than he is. People, I mean, people are way too quick to pronounce nineteen year old kids who are not done growing and growing up like dead. Yeah, I mean it'd be you know it'd be nice, but yeah. Whenever I, people knock them, I just asked what they were doing at nineteen. Like that person, I'm like, hey, what were you doing at nineteen years old? And I look back, I'm like, yeah, I was an idiot back then too. I'm but still like, an idiot now. <laughs> I'm 24 and I'm still an idiot. Okay, rookie of the year. Watch brought up movies. All right, rookie of the year. Oh, maybe Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown will probably be the rookie of the year actually. Now that I think about it, because yep. And then there's Jalen Brown. Yep, I forgot that he was a rookie, but I keep reading about him. But still, I don't know that he's having, like, stats-wise, because Boston does play a lot of guys, and towards the beginning of the year, he wasn't really playing. Yeah, he's only averaging six points per game. But he's played in 58 games. He's starting some games now. I don't know. Once again, though, this is is where we're at. Like, the, the, the rookie class sucks. And, like, yeah. next year we'll see, but, the, uh, like, I mean, next year should be better, but you never know. And it's yeah. like... Yeah, Lonzo Ball and the guy out of Washington. And you have a couple of guys who who maybe could do stuff early on, but do will they play? Like, that's the one thing. Like, will they get enough they, minutes? Like Who's going to have first pick in the draft? Probably. It could be Boston. And that player's not going to play. Oh, yeah, especially if they draft a point guard. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's also... I was reading about that, too. There's a... I mean, if you have Isaiah Thomas and you... You have to go and draft one of those guys if you don't trade it, which, I mean, Boston's the trend for the last couple of years. They haven't been trading much, but this what do you be, do with that player? This could be the one, but that could be the one you pull the trigger on and you get Jimmy Butler for. Because mm. he's he's way more gettable to me than Paul George, unless Paul George tells him, hey, I'm leaving. But then right. the problem is if he says, hey, I'm only going to L.A., Boston is giving up the first overall pick for him. Right. But I think, I think Boston, like, 
my I said it before the trade deadline. I think Jimmy Butler gets traded either on draft day or right before draft day for whatever that lottery pick is, and more obviously. But I just think that Boston's gonna get into the playoffs. They're gonna run into a buzz saw at some point of a team with just more stars than they have, and it's gonna be a problem. Wow, Russell Westbrook had a bad game. Always having a bad game. Anyways, so, but yeah, I mean. I don't think Embiid can be Rookie of the Year. I just don't think he's played enough. He could still end up winning it because this rookie class has been so bad, and that would be weird, but... Yeah, I mean, I guess you have to see how the rest of the season... 20 games is a lot um, in the rest of the season, and if Jalen Brown does get significant minutes, which is, looks like he's probably going to get that, um, maybe he does end up... But that would be pretty interesting if the writers were just like sort of like... The people who vote on Rookie of the Year, I'm assuming it's the same as MVP. I gotta think so. But yeah, they're just like, yeah, screw it. We're gonna give it on Bead because everyone else sucks, and yep. maybe they do do that. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see how you can justify that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know going forward if that's gonna set a bad uh, precedent for that kind of things of like, because I, I feel like, I mean, the same thing with MVP. Like, if you don't play enough games, you just don't qualify to be Kevin Durant. Well, I'm not qualified to be the MVP. It wasn't going to be anyways. But he now does not qualify to be the MVP in my mind. Oh, yeah, same. And quickly to wrap up injuries, as we know, we've bounced around here. But the last one is Joakim Noah. Talk about a man getting his money. Right. Um, Fortunate for him, got four years, 72 from very quickly becoming the second worst franchise in the NBA. Yeah. Um, New York's looking like a mess, man. I mean, what do you do with Noah at this point? There's Uh, nothing you can do except for stretch him out. and (laughs) But that's six years of $9 million on your book for Joakim Noah. Yeah, and it's that same knee that he hurt um, earlier in Chicago. So, I mean, maybe you wave him at some point. You you try and trade him. I think that's what New York is trying. I mean, you saw how they got rid of Brandon Jennings. And there were D. Rose buyout rumors, too. So Right, but like I said, like it's... Joakim Noah is not going to accept anything less than his full contract in a buyout because $18 million over the next three years is per year is substantially more money than he's going to get literally anywhere else. Which is why I said the stretch provision is what they'll probably end up using where you cut a guy and you're going to stretch their salary over twice the length of the remaining of their contract. So it would be six years, $9 million per year, which would help them salary cap-wise. But obviously, I mean... Three years after, or six years after you wave Joe Kim Noah, you're still paying nine million, nine million dollars on your cap. But yeah, it's a bad contract. It's going to be a bad contract. Everyone in Chicago knew Joe Kim Noah was done. Like yeah. maybe he could still be a backup. Maybe he could still play. Like he was going to get a contract for sure. But everyone knew he was done being Joe Kim Noah. Yeah, and that's guy. That's speaking back to our earlier conversation. Worked incredibly hard. Like his talent was not good enough when he got in the league, and he just worked. And he was, he was damn good. He was third in MVP one year. Oh, yeah. Or was he four? Was Blake three or was he three? I think he was three. Regardless, like, and he, joke, and I mean, that was a, also a weird year. But like, yeah, yeah. It was a very was... weird year. But he played out of his mind, and he, he was very, very good. And it's sad to see his career end this way, but that's how I told you a couple years ago. Guys like him, careers end exactly this way. They lose yeah. half a step, they start getting hurt, they're done. They yeah. don't. Guys like that who lose half a step can't make up for it with finesse. They don't have finesse. Yeah, and it wasn't like he was playing heavy minutes or anything. That's the one, the most concerning thing for me. Is like it wasn't he like he was playing like thirty minutes a night. The dude barely played, and then one out of the blue, he just they just denounced him with a knee injury and he's out for the year. Well, he's looking for a second opinion. He's trying to play again. That just sounds like Joe Kim Noah. Uh-huh. I mean, and he's never going to be a guy to throw in the towel. People were talking about him retiring. I'm like, first off, he retires, doesn't get any more of the money. It's once again, fifty-four million more dollars. Like, 
Sounds like a pretty good reason to stick around. But it's just going to be year after year after year after this. I got to think I can't imagine we're going to have another healthy year of Joe Kim Noah basketball. Yeah, no. Again, nice backup center to have at some point on your team. If he does get bought out or something like that, or if New York decides to keep him, we'll see what happens there. But enough Noah talk. Uh, on to a, a couple of game winners tonight. Some good games in the NBA today. Yeah. Um, we had a crazy finish with the Jazz in overtime, helping the Bulls not get that pick from the Kings. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it was a pretty crazy play, too. Uh, George Hill just like pulled up from the elbow on the left side. Sort of tried to do a dirk off one foot. The dirk. And then uh, Rudy Goldberg tipped it in. But, yeah, again, I love the way Utah is playing. Uh, yeah, they're, I mean, they're still four, and I think they're going to end up probably four. If I mean, if they don't, it'll be, I mean, close to that. I mean, they're a game and a half up on the Clippers. No idea tiebreaker-wise who has what. But they're a team that everyone thought was going to be good coming into the year. They started out very injured, very slow. People got worried. People yeah. panicked. When people weren't panicking about Minnesota, that Minnesota was going to figure out when Minnesota started horrendously. People had pronounced the Jazz irrelevant, and the Jazz have proven to be very relevant. They're five games back at the Rockets. They're not going to catch the Rockets. The Rockets, who have quietly won eight out of the last ten. Um, but <laughs> that Lou Will trade really working out for them. Yeah, it yeah. is, and it's just doing more of what they do well. Just they're yeah. just going to drown you in offense. Lou Will can't play defense to save his damn life, but you know what? <laughs> they're going to shoot the shit out of that. Oh ball. yeah, yeah. They're, it might be for a bigger conversation, for like an off-season conversation, but like I, I it's not the Rockets specifically, but like the three-point per shooting and how good these shooters are getting is just slowly but surely going to turn the game into nothing but three-point shooting. The Rockets are doing it. Cleveland hit 25 threes this week. Oh, yeah, yeah. In a game against Atlanta. 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 And they ended up barely winning that game. They blew the lead. And then they had to come back in and at the end and win it. Um, then they didn't actually blow the lead. They never actually lost the lead, but they got down to one point from like 17 and it's funny because in the playoffs, the Cavs hit 25 threes against Atlanta, and that was the playoff record. And the regular season record was 23, and they broke it against Atlanta again. Oh like, Atlanta God. just gets shit on by Cleveland all the time, and I love it. Atlanta can't beat Cleveland. That sucks. And, I mean, I'm sure, like, seeing Kyle Korver hit threes in their face wasn't exactly the he best He hit the thing dagger for... when they were making oh, a comeback. Really? They oh were they were God. down. They were up only, or they were down one, and Kyle Korver just hit, like, a basically a contested three to go back up four. Oh, my God. It's just that like, would happen to the Hawks. <laughs> the Hawks. Oh, poor that, Hawks. The Hawks-Cleveland matchup. But could get could get round three in the playoffs this year. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, by the way, just, lo- I mean, low-key, very quick thought, if... Toronto loses in the first round because Kyle Lowry isn't back or isn't 100% back. There's a good shot. They end up losing Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka. Like, oh, I, I've heard rumors that Serge Ibaka... Uh, actually, mixed rumors. I've I heard, heard both. He, I heard he wanted to stay initially, and then recently I, I heard he's going to test the market, which... Testing the market is the smart thing to do because I don't think Toronto's going to wake up on day one offer him a five-year max contract. Yeah. I, I mean, that's another thing, not to go too far into it, but uh, sort of that OKC offseason... First got to go was, like, Ibaka, and it was sort of, like, was super, like, what the hell are they doing? I remember when that trade happened, I'm like, why would you? And then sort of the rumors started coming out, he wants to get paid in the offseason, and he wants to be the main guy, so. I didn't hate that trade for OKC. I liked what they got back. I liked, I liked Oladipo a lot more than he's turning out to be, but. I liked the trade, too, but it was sort of like, you didn't hear anything oh, about no, it. Oh, no, no, that yeah, was, yeah, that came was out of one field. of the few trades that just kind of happened. Um, yeah. You usually end up hearing rumblings about stuff before it happens, or at least that a guy's available. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was a good move for them. But, yeah, 
Back to it though. Then we yeah. Then we had the Suns helping out a couple things. One, the Suns helping the Lakers keep their pick. The Suns are now officially, I think, a game ahead of the Lakers. Yeah. They're now. Oh, they're now game and a half. Game of, and a half. Yeah. Game and a half. And the Lakers are currently losing. Oh no, they're winning. Damn it. New Orleans is losing to the Lakers. Jesus Christ. New Orleans is a. Thank God New Orleans put a top three protection on that pick. Yeah. That, I can't wait till it ends up as four. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty embarrassing. Like, I, I don't know. That's that's pretty. I mean, but we talked about this on shows before. At what point do you panic? Like with New Orleans. If you get no one in the offseason. Mm. If no one comes in free agency. And I'm not talking not, not top tier talent. If no one comes in free agency, you, you can't fill the. You need to be able to fill the court with shooters around them. Yeah. So they can kick out. But yeah, this. I wouldn't be shocked if next offseason they shipped a Marcus Cousins somewhere. Really? But to be fair, even if they do, what did they really. Like, this pick. If it ends up being like top six pick or like six through four, whatever they end up giving up, that's substantial. This is a good draft. But. To take the shot, I think, is worth it, just given the fact that you have to take the shot. Like, this is the NBA. You need stars. You need to see if this can work. I think an offseason will help. I think Alvin Gentry's going to lose his job. I mean, yeah, I, I I don't think that's working out I think well. the front office is going to lose their jobs. I think it's going to be a whole new uh, organization there, and they're going to be able to try and pitch to Marcus Cousins on an extension now. I don't think he's going to sign it because I think he's pissed they cost him $30 million. But if next year they win 45 games, DeMarcus Cousins finally makes the playoffs, he likes playing with Anthony Davis, he likes New Orleans, blah, blah, blah. You can see that working out. Obviously, if they don't make the playoffs next year, panic. Not just because of DeMarcus Cousins, but because I think Anthony Davis walks in the front office and says, trade me. Maybe. And once again, New Orleans won't have to. But like, right. I think or it's going to be very subtle. It's going to be like Anthony Davis wants to go play with Russell Westbrook or, you know, whatever. You're already hearing that now. But the other thing, going back to Alvin Gentry for just a little, touching on that, uh, I mean, you remember before he came? Uh, it was the second coming. Yeah, right? And <laughs> and they're like, uh, during their press conferences or whatever, when they, they played the Pelicans the first game of the season, and I remember just him being like, yeah, we're going to see the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs and stuff like that. And, New Orleans was a, they were a playoff team before he came, and now they're just, I mean, you get, I don't like firing a coach after two seasons, I'm super against that, but at the same time, you, you look what he had from before, and then, like, wh- where they're at now, and relatively the same roster. I no, mean, no, well, not relatively at all, they lost Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon. Those guys weren't playing. That's true, they were hurt, but like. They, they weren't playing, like, significant, th- those guys weren't the reason you were, like, making the playoffs. Anthony Davis was playing out of his mind. And the games are still is. playing out of And he life. still is. Yeah, he still is. And, and you're at this record. So, uh, again, I'm super against firing a coach after two seasons, but I feel like this is a little justified. But this will, oh, yeah, if he gets fired, it'll be earned. Yeah. Coaches on the hot seat just going up and down the league, like Fred Hoiberg's on the hot seat. I think yeah. he'll keep his job this year, but he's on the hot seat. I mean, just going up and down, let's see. Hmm. Not actually seeing a ton of other coaches who will be on the hot seat. Um, uh, the Kings coach is always on the hot seat because the Kings ownership is unstable um, uh-huh. as people. Um, outside of that, I think everyone maybe else is Portland. Um, Terry Scotts, maybe he's on the hot seat. Maybe, but I doubt oh, no. it. I think yeah. I think Luke Walton is beyond safe. It's his first year. Um, it did not go well in L.A. this year, but at this point, they're probably telling him to lose. They traded away Lou Williams. They cut Jose Calderon. Like they're trying to keep their pick at this point. Magic Johnson's taken over. Wants the pick. Ends up right. top three, you're going to get a good, well, good prospect, if nothing else. Um, but, yeah, I don't... Yeah, I don't see anyone really either. 
No, sorry. I Maybe didn't. Earl Watson uh, in Phoenix. Maybe if there's a hot coach out there that you know teams are looking at, maybe they go and fire him because there's a better option out there. That's but, true. That's true. Uh, I don't really see anyone else. Yeah, outside of that, I mean the Brooklyn uh, Lionel Hollins is still in Brooklyn, right? No, they have a new guy from, right, yeah. from Europe. I think they'll keep him because Brooklyn's obviously a train wreck on top of a train wreck attached to a train wreck um, of a franchise, <laughs> and they have nothing. Their owner is just get ready. We're, they're going to ruin restricted free agency again this offseason where they're just going to throw max off sheet after max off sheet of these guys who just don't deserve it, trying to get someone to show up, and uh-huh. they're going to end up fucking a lot of teams into having to pay players way too much money. Get ready for Nikolai Miritich, 12 to $15 million a year. <laughs> I don't think the Bulls match that. No, but. I think the Bulls let him walk. But I just last year they fucked it up for Portland. They fucked it up yeah. for Miami. They just you know make you guys pay these guys way too much money because they have cap space, which is what they're supposed to do with that cap. I mean, they're supposed to go try and sign people. Yeah. And you know Brooklyn doesn't have their pick next year again. So after this year they're gonna have like a late twenties pick. So they're they're stuck doing this. And then after that, like they need to if they trade a first round pick in between now and twenty twenty three, the league should go in and take over. The franchise is like an emergency course of action. <laughs> like they shouldn't be allowed to trade their picks. I mean, their reason. owner is also just kind of just a mobster who's psychotic. Well, he's also and, got money on top of money on top of money. Like, yeah, I just I feel like he walks into a room and just like a huge fur jacket and just yells something in Russian and then just leaves. Okay, I want like, that to be true. I doubt it is, but I really want that to be true. No, whenever I think true. of him, I just think of that that happening right there. But it'd be like if Cuban. If we saw what Cuban was like in private, you know, he's quietly, he's walking around, you know, in a fur coat, yelling <laughs> shit in American, but, you know, he's just... I feel like Cuban just has, like, a normal t-shirt and jeans on, and he just walks out. Like, that, that's sort of how Cuban well, rolls. Well, spends a lot of time at home with his family. Like, oh, the really? dude, like, you know, the dude just, like, chills in Dallas a lot. Uh, um, <clears throat> but, yeah, man, I mean, just the second half, or the last quarter of the season we got coming up here... Mm-hmm. Uh, MVP race is heated up. Uh, people have kind of, all of a sudden, Kawhi Leonard's name has been put into the conversation. LeBron James' name has been put into the conversation, which I know I have bias. I accept it, but there's not a season that has happened in the last 10 years where LeBron's name, James, should not be an MVP consideration. Not saying he should have deserved it every year. He should get it. But <laughs> to me, it's in between, personally, it's in between James Harden and LeBron James because I think your team has to win. Yes, that is not all on you. And yes, Russell Westbrook's team is obviously winning. But they're losing a lot of games they should win. They're going to end up as a week seven season. going to get swept out of the playoffs. They're not a threat. And I think the MVP... The MVP has not come from a team lower than three seed in, I think, in the last, like, 30 years. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. MVPs need to be winning. Their teams need to be winning to be valued. You know, like... You know what I'm saying? So... Yeah, I'm all, I'm also on that bandwagon too. I've always thought that. I mean, no matter how, but this year I feel is like pretty different. Averaging a triple double is pretty insane. That's uh, I don't know, like it is, and I'll give you that. But you can look at the efficiency numbers and say he's doing that because he's not giving anyone else. I mean, he has the assists, and I get that that's the counterpoint. But like, he mm. just always has the ball in his hands. Yeah, there's also this this stat, just point differential, uh, based on when a player is on the floor, when he's off the floor. And uh, the highest two players by a significant margin were LeBron James and Russell Westbrook. So those two guys to me are probably. Um, but I always love. I always reward winning, no matter what. I mean, if it's an All Star game, if it's Defensive Player of the Year, which is so interesting. I mean, Defensive Player of the Year every year is sort of just not based on the best defender, 
It's just based on the best defensive team. Like that one year Marcus All won it and he wasn't yeah. even on first team defense. But right now, man, it's so hard not to give it to Russell Westbrook if he's averaging a triple double at the end of the year. Uh and I'm one of those guys every year, like I want to reward winning. Like for me, not even top th- the third seed the guy has to be having a crazy year. So Harden's maybe I understand a crazy Harden. year. Yeah, I understand Harden. <laughs> I understand why people are the league that. assist, I think, isn't he? Uh I'm not sure. Uh, maybe I thought Chris Paul was, but oh yeah, oh. James Harden. Wow, 11 no, no, this is this is team. This oh, this, this is Houston Rockets team. This is not okay. But yeah, I think for me, I mean, the first two places you look. No, he me, is leading the league in assists. Yes, okay. Chris Paul, I don't think he's played enough. He's not on the oh, list. Oh, oh yeah, he didn't. He was out for a while. He's been out for a while. But, but yeah, yeah, the the thing for me is you look at the first two se- seeds to begin with, and then you see like outside of that. So. For me, again, it is LeBron and Kawhi, and the, the, at this point, I got to give it to Westbrook, man. I I can understand that, but to me, and, and don't take this the wrong way, but that's just people rewarding flash instead of substance. Stat he's stat stuffing, which once again is great to watch. I want him to average a triple double. I think that's a cool thing to do. I mean, we haven't seen it in how fucking long, and we're not likely to see it ever again. But it's like at the end of the day, how many games do people go? Yeah, Westbrook put up forty points, but his team lost because he because the team just started double teaming him and he just chucked up threes. Like and eventually he's gonna make some of them. I just feel like it's one, I still believe two years ago James Harden should have been the MVP. Truly believe that because it was and the same reason I believe he should be the MVP this year, him or LeBron, because Harden is the guy doing it in Houston and they're winning. And they're uh-huh. winning basketball games. He is leading the team and they're winning. Where same thing with LeBron I mean you can look at the plus minus. Yeah, like you said, the plus minus with LeBron off the court and on the court. The Cavs would adjust. Like, I, I say a lot of it is because you build your team around LeBron, that that's why a team with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love would make the playoffs and would be a competitive basketball team. But yeah, when he's off the court, it looks like they wouldn't be. Like, it sure looks like it. Yeah. And he is just everything that that team does. Um, and we get so. He might be having the best year of his career. Like, very quiet. Or, like, at least, like, top three year of his career right now, very quietly, because. We've just all become so numb to what he does. Yeah. It's just such it's life. It's a death taxes and LeBron being a like a LeBron being an MVP candidate. <coughs> Excuse me. And yeah, I just I really hope that people give him his due course when that time of year comes. Like he's averaging, yeah, twenty five nine and eight is like it's pretty yeah. damn impressive. Yeah, twenty six nine and eight. Yeah, yeah twenty six nine and eight effectively, and that's his career highs in both assists and I think rebounds. And he's I, I think there's going to be some momentum for him towards the end of the year. The Cavs are likely to be the one seed. They have a three game lead right now, and I think they have the tiebreaker over Boston. Ultimately, or I think maybe the last game will decide it. Um, but yeah, he has rested. He's missed games. You know, resting. He hasn't been hurt this year, but he's missed a couple of games. He missed Saturday's game. He'll probably miss a few more down the stretch. And that's. I get that caveat for you, like you say, with when you have to play, too. And that's what we were talking about for Rookie of the Year. He's going to play enough. He's going to play 65-plus games. And I, I don't know. It's going to be him or Harden to, for who I think should be MVP. I think it's going to come down to Westbrook. Probably. If Westbrook is averaging a triple-double, but if it's 9.9 assists, he's not getting it. Yeah, I agree. I definitely and that's, agree. And that's even part of the more where I go, people are voting on it on, on Flash. Like, when it's 0.1% statistical difference, it's going to make the difference. And I think it will. I think it'll be between him... Winning it fairly easily, and him not even, him being number three, like I don't yeah. think he even finishes number two if he doesn't get that closely. Yeah, I don't think he will either. I think Kawhi is there. Uh, 
I think, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. This year is weird, man, because you do have the stat stuffing, which you normally don't see. I mean, you see guys just get it. And then the lead league in points, I think we forget Westbrook is leading the league in points. Uh, the scoring title will be significant. But, uh, yeah, also the best team in the league doesn't really have, like, an MVP candidate. I, you could have no, said Durant from before. Because they share, too, in a good way, they share too much. There isn't uh-huh. that one guy where you point to, like, he's the only reason they're successful. It's They're successful together, and Curry. Curry's actually having kind of a down year and a down stretch right now. Like, in, in the time where people might look to see if he's MVP again, like, he's not going to win MVP. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not in the conversation. Durant was. Yeah, Durant was playing very efficiently, but, yeah, he's going to miss too many games, and his candidacy was going to have to be a late surge type approach. Like LeBron's or Kawhi's is going to have to be because the whole conversation all year has been Harden and Westbrook. And at the end of the day, James Harden will probably actually be as ticked as he apparently was two years ago if he finishes second again. But it's not a knock to be second in NBA. People, yeah. people aren't bashing you. Yeah, and it's sort of interesting how, I mean, this happened to LeBron a, a couple of years too, just in those Miami years is too, like where people knock you for having like a good team around you. Right. They sort of look at it like, oh my god, if this guy was on the team, they still have like a Dwayne Wade. Steph Curry back to back MVPs. When oh, he yeah. had a mate. I mean, especially last year's team. Like, yeah, I, I get that. LeBron, LeBron's won four MVPs. Um, yeah, I think last year was kind of hard not to give it to Steph Curry though because of their regular season record. But yeah, unanimous. I don't. I don't ever agree with a unanimous MVP. I mean, that's that's got to. You've got to have a historic season. He's the as first a, one ever. And, yeah, as an individual and as a team. So. I don't think he really. Well, they had a, he had a historic season as an individual. He set the three record that was his own three record that he broke again, and he broke it by like a lot. And his team won seventy three basketball games. So I just checked both boxes in your little criteria there. Uh, but not not like a like a Russell Westbrook type of season where you have like a triple double. Yeah, I don't, I don't know like that breaking the three point mark is some sort of like. Oh wow! Like where because that I mean you talk about the NBA moving in just a three point shootout, but like. That's sort of how the NBA is. Like, everyone's shooting threes. That's sort of how the NBA is trending. But, yeah. I mean, the MVP race should be interesting. Uh, but, yeah. That's all for this week's show. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Peace.